1: I'm
2: Janet, I'm Helen, and I'm Chriselle.
0: On today's episode, we have one of the original queens of social media. She is a Korean-American entrepreneur, fashion icon, and digital influencer who started off her fashion career as a wardrobe stylist. In December 2011, this serious Asian boss girl founded the Christelle Factor to chronicle her daily musings and personal style. And she has since grown a powerhouse of a following on social media with close to 5 million followers across various channels. She empowers and inspires women all over the world. She recently started two companies, a Bumo Parent and Bumo Work, a co-working space, which we are at today, and virtual classroom that provides education-based childcare and a community for parents who work hard and parent harder.
1: Chriselle's goal is to encourage, educate, and inspire all women across the globe through her personal style, runway trends, beauty secrets, and fashion tips and tricks. And if there's one word to describe Chriselle, we would say it is chic. hmm she has also garnered the new name of Rich Mom on TikTok. Yep. We are so excited to have her on the podcast. Please welcome to Asian Boss Girl, Chriselle Lim.
2: Woo-hoo! Hello, ladies. I am so excited to be here with you guys. Or have you guys here at Bumo. Yeah. yeah, we are so excited to be here. This is our first time in this
0: space. We've seen it all over Instagram. And let me tell you, it is just as aesthetically pleasing as you see online. It's it is beautiful. so beautiful and comfortable and just like inspiring in here. It's very
2: Like, I want to uh, sleep here. I want to work here. I want to eat yeah. here. I want to do everything <laughs> well, here. If, as a new mom-to-be, you're going to have to come back.
0: Yeah. We'll oh, for sure. little one. I will, for sure. <laughs> So I wanted to start off this conversation by asking, you know, not only do you co-run a fairly, this is a fairly new business, Mm -hmm. but you are incredibly present and interactive with your followers on your social media platforms every day, while also being a mother of two beautiful young girls. Bring us into the life of Chriselle Lim. What is your daily schedule
2: like? Oh gosh, okay, so it's a little bit scattered, so bear with me. But I have to say the one constant that I have is my morning routine, Mm -hmm. and that is what grounds me. And I did not have a morning routine, like a really set morning routine until the pandemic, surprisingly. Mm. okay. And because I felt like I was literally working all day, all morning, my kids were all over me. I mm. just could not figure out how to find peace within my own home, within myself. So I just started this morning routine and it's changed my life. And that's the one constant. So I don't know if you guys want to hear about what I do. Oh, yeah, yeah do. sure. Please. It's all the details. It's, yes, really, all the details. <laughs> it's quite simple. So I wake up at 6 a.m. every single day. Oh, my Oh my gosh, that's so <laughs> early. Okay, yeah. Get ready, girl. I know, Get ready. I, know, I don't have kids yet. You're going to be waking up at 12, 3, and 6. Oh my gosh, okay. So. 6 a.m. I don't even need an alarm clock because I joke that once you give birth to a kid, you're giving birth to an actual alarm clock. Oh, my gosh. A built-in alarm clock. Scary. Okay. (laughs) So I wake up naturally at 6 a.m. because my kids have been waking me up at 6 a.m. for the past, like, six years Mm. of being a parent. So I wake up at 6 a.m. I immediately go to the bathroom and take a cold shower. Oh. Like, I'm not talking lukewarm. I'm talking about cold, cold shower. okay. This is something that's pretty new, but it's changed my life because oh. I don't drink coffee in the okay. morning anymore. Oh, because yeah. Because this actually instantly gives me the energy that I need for the day. So I take a cold shower for, like, five minutes, and then I actually uh, do my meditation because I was doing the opposite before, and I was still kind of, like, in sleepy mode mm-hmm. when I was doing my meditation. So I realized that once I got into the shower – uh, woke up there, then I come out and I do, you know, whether it be a 30 minute reading or a prayer or whatever that is, I always start off that way. And then for 30 minutes, I do a workout. I use Pivotal, that's where we last met, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they have a, a workout app that I do at home. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't have time for 30 minutes, sometimes I'll do 15 minutes, but consistently that is what I've been doing for the past year. And yeah. it's been really great for me and just, like, my, my crazy schedule. And then from there, everything kind of goes downhill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, first off, did you stop drinking coffee because of the kids? Um, I just, no. I, I felt like coffee wasn't doing anything to me anymore because mm. I was the type of person that I could literally drink, uh, like, three cups of coffee That's and terrible. fall asleep.
0: Oh, me too. I can fall asleep everywhere. (laughs) I feel like I'm like half narcoleptic. I can literally (laughs) sleep anywhere, anytime.
2: I'm with you. Yeah. And coffee doesn't affect me. It doesn't do anything for me. It used to, but it stopped Mm. because I think my body just got used to it Mm. and it was just exhausted. So coffee wasn't obviously doing the job that it, Mm. it used to. So I, I quit coffee, and then I try to figure something else out, and I couldn't really figure it out, and the showers really helped. And then also another <sighs> thing is I carry a – I don't have it with me today, but I carry a 100-ounce bottle of water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I ordered it from Amazon. It's pink. It's really cute. It's not like one of those muscle-builder, like, water like drugs. drugs. Workout. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a pink one. It's kind of cute. And I carry that everywhere, and I actually drink that entire thing for the day. And from that to my morning showers, I don't really need coffee anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah, if I do get coffee, it's usually decaf now. Got it. Yeah, because okay. I just like the smell of it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, same. I do. It, it, I feel like it's a placebo effect for me. Yeah. Like, it wakes me up in a different way, or it makes me feel like I need to be more proactive or active in what I'm doing in the moment because I'm drinking coffee. Yeah,
2: and it just makes me feel cool. Like, oh, I'm going to go get coffee, but it's not going to really do anything. Yeah. It's just yeah. like, to look cool to hold my... Starbucks cups. I, <laughs> I do it all the time. Oh my gosh, called out. I um, know.
0: Well, is, is your day very different on a day to day basis? Yeah. Other than your morning routine?
2: Yeah. So from there, it really just depends. I'll go straight into mom mode usually. Mm and drop off the kids at school if they have school right now it's summer so they have camp and then right after i drop them off then i usually either come here to bumo Mm -hmm. um, and work out of here or work out of home if i'm recording a podcast as you guys know the pains of that Mm -hmm. it has to be dead silent so i can't record a podcast here so i'll usually do it stay at home during that time Mm -hmm. and yeah i feel like meetings are happening again a little bit so i take on meetings a lot here in la every day is really different fridays though i do all of my content batching i do all of my Mm -hmm. tiktoks instagram sponsorships on Fridays oh, okay. so I don't really film throughout the the week but on Fridays that's when it's carved out for just content making mm, wow, and that okay. is how I'm able to kind of be able to run a business mm-hmm. and still be able to be a content creator ah, yeah that is a great tip yeah I mean that's not like exactly a, a like hour by hour schedule but in general it's like I'm doing one or the other I'm either here at Boomer working on something with my team here or um, creating content on Fridays yeah oh my gosh yeah I mean that is a question that well we'll ask we'll dive into it deeper
0: a little bit later on but you're so just like so present on on your socials I'm just like how does she do it? Yeah. But yes for anyone out there who is wondering content batching is a thing you know yep. so you're not balancing so many things at like one time.
2: I do yeah. have to say though TikTok is a bit of a different beast though mm. and that's what I realized because I used to content batch a lot for TikTok mm. I still do here and there but I realize that those videos that I content batch for TikTok don't necessarily do that well. So I kind of stop. Mm. I try to stop doing. It. If I know that I have a really busy week, then I will do it. Mm. Um, but if I feel like I have a bit more room to play around with content making throughout the week, I won't batch TikToks because mm. TikTok is very much like in the moment. Like mm. I. I I had this idea. I I feel really good about it. Let's let me film it right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you're inspired in the moment. Yeah, you're inspired mm-hmm. in the moment. And it's yeah. so weird that it translates because when you're excited mm-hmm. about something, it actually shows it through, in your yeah. in your video. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Instagram, it's mainly photos even mm-hmm. though Instagram is now claiming that they're a video sharing right, app. Right. Um no longer photo sharing app. I I still think they're a photo-sharing app. I post up all my photos there. Same. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, TikTok is a little bit different. Mm. Yeah.
1: So then the breadth of your day might differ from day-to-day, right, Mm -hmm. in terms of what you're doing. But is there, like, a set time
2: that you get home for dinner? Or what happens kind of, like, after work? So... The bulk of like my work hours no matter what day it is it's usually 9 a.m to about 5 p.m so usually by 5 p.m i'm completely checked out i don't even check my phone because that's the time that i have with the kids mm. so from 5 to about 8:30 p.m which is if you really think about it that's not that much time with kids right mm. because it's only what three hours yeah. right and so i just really view that as my sacred time with the girls mm. And you know whatever it is that we want to do for the day together as a family, we'll do it. Whether it's going to the park or right now, they're really into like there's these things called aqua beads, and it's yeah, it's it's weird. (laughs) Like jewelry making? It's no, it's like it's this little board with like little tiny beads, and it's you're supposed to create. Does that? Yeah. Yeah. Like and bigger. it lights up?
1: kind of. You could, like, light it up? Is no, it? No, it doesn't
2: those? light up, okay. but it's, like, different colors. So. Okay.
1: And then you put water on it, and it fuses yeah. yes. together. Yes, it fuses together.
2: Okay. And so they've been really into aqua beads. so I'll, I'll literally sit down with them in their kids' table and make aqua beets with them. Oh. And I just, like get my hands dirty for about three hours with them. That's Yeah, that's um, a good amount of
0: time. Yeah. Like, yeah. talking to a lot of
2: my mommy friends, they,
0: like, they don't have three hours, or they can't mm. find three hours. Yeah. They can't stick to a schedule to allow themselves to have those three hours for mm. their kids. Yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, it's... I, I have help with my mom, um, because my mom lives with me right now, and so she helps me with the food, which mm-hmm. is honestly mm. a huge part mm. of Just daily routine, right? So I don't have to worry about making dinner. I don't have to worry about packing them their lunch because my mom does it. That's pretty awesome. That's awesome. And so I feel very grateful that I have those extra hours to instead of like packing food for the kids or making food, I could hang out with my kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do
1: you have a set time that you kind of go to bed? So you have a morning routine, Uh do you have like an evening, and are you strict about like
2: getting a certain amount of hours of sleep? Yeah. So I do have an evening routine. It's not as intense as my morning routine, but the kids are in bed by 8.30, sometimes 9 p.m. And then from there, and this is a funny story that I have to share. So my kids were really, adamant that I sleep with them for a very long time hmm. just because I co slept with my kids for a long time and it's honestly really hard to break that cycle once you start um, just so you know no I know <laughs> at, well at what age did did well okay so I could we could do a whole another podcast on just like sleep training but yeah. my first my oldest daughter Chloe we didn't sleep train her so I co slept with her up until this year oh my gosh I know six years old yes okay um and then my youngest daughter, Colette, she's two, but we slept trained her, and it was amazing. I was yeah. like, I can't believe I did not do this for Chloe because, one, she has such a positive association with sleeping now, and mm. she you could literally drop her off in her bed and walk out, and she's fine, and she's out until the next morning. Mm. Whereas my oldest daughter has... Uh, really no confidence in sleeping by herself so it took Mm -hmm. us this long right Mm -hmm. but the funny story is that they really wanted a bunk bed Chloe really really wanted a bunk bed I'm like I'll get you a bunk bed but I'm not gonna be sleeping in that bunk bed with you you know that right so she was like yeah I know and I'm like okay so do you want me to get you a bunk bed because if I get you a bunk bed that means that you have to start sleeping on your own and your sister can sleep below you and she was like yeah i think i'm ready so we ordered her the bunk bed it took a while but she's finally sleeping on her own and i have my life back at the end of the day now because now after i put them to bed at eight thirty, from eight thirty on, it's just like my time. Yeah. What usually I do, which I'm trying not to do, is I'll just go back into work mm-hmm. mode because I have so much to do. Mm-hmm. But if I do that, I try to check out by ten p.m. Okay. max. Okay. Right. And then from ten p.m., I'll do like my skincare routine, and then I try to be in bed no later than 11 12 Because mm-hmm. okay. I do wake up at six naturally. So yeah. okay.
0: Yeah. Dang. Yeah. That sounds like a full day.
2: Yeah. That's
0: a. That's a. That's a lot to balance and handle work, your own, you know, self-care routines and making sure you're taking care of yourself and then the kids and
2: whew. I mean, that's going to be you in the next few months. I so. freaking know. And you'll, <laughs> figure it, you'll, you'll figure it out along the way. Like, I always say it's so much scarier when you're on the outside. But oh, when yeah. you're mm. in it, you're like okay, let's yeah. go. Let's do this. I you mean, know? yeah,
0: I did feel, so right now I'm at 22 weeks and I did feel the first kicks ah. and I had woken up at like 6am to go pee because I'm up all night just like peeing now but I woke up and I felt the kicks and usually I'm like in this lull state where I'm like okay I'm gonna go back to sleep and I was just awake after that I was like oh my god it <laughs> is kicking I feel it I feel like I have to stay awake now so I could feel like a sense of that responsibility mm-hmm. once it's an actual human that's like external and needing my, my help
2: I heard somewhere that your body and the reason why you pee so much obviously there's a lot of scientific like reasons of like why your pelvis is like I don't know whatever, right? I don't know the reasons to that, but I heard that you are being prepped right now to be able to wake up at those oh, hours, is it? Okay. yeah. Okay. Uh, and there's some sort of correlation sense. there. It's your body is telling you that you have to prepare, mm. and it won't go in shock when you have to because you're mm. probably waking up at least every three hours to go pee, yeah. right? Mm. And that's gonna be you with the baby. Oh, so, okay. yeah, I mean, got this. You're ready. You're already doing it yeah yeah uh, yeah we'll see <laughs>
0: i'm sure it will be easier once i'm there or i'll just i don't know i don't know i'm a really deep sleeper that's the only thing i'm
2: really worried about um but i i'm we'll like see. you too when i i sleep like i am out some people mm. my assistant um sometimes she has to shake me because she's worried that i'm not breathing because i'm so oh, my! <laughs> and i'm like yeah so i feel you on that
1: So you shared with us, Christelle, the construction of your day, everything from your personal, taking care of yourself and the work that you do and how you space that out. Knowing for a working mom, a big part um, of of your life is your work, right? Mm -hmm. And in 2019, you started Boomo with your business partner, Joan Nguyen Tran. Um, And then the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. So can you walk us through how the idea for Boomo first came around? And
2: then um, what was it like going through pandemic for you and that new business? So Boomo was an idea that I had six years ago when I first had Chloe. And, you know, I always prided myself as... A working woman being independent Mm -hmm. and so I naturally told myself I'm not gonna slow down once I have kids Mm -hmm. I got this I'm not like everyone else like I'm able to do both Mm -hmm. right and then of course I had her and I was like holy crap what is this how come I feel like when I'm working that I'm being a bad mom Mm -hmm. and then when I'm not working and I'm with her I feel like I'm not doing enough for my career that Mm. I'm I'm being lazy right Mm. how come I I feel this way and the reason being is because there's really no support system for working parents especially mothers and so I went to Korea um, like, a year before I had Chloe. And I had a lot of friends in Korea that have kids, so I experienced all these kind of kids' cafes. Uh, they're po- quite popular in all of Asia, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, I know Taiwan has a lot of them. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. Like, why why doesn't this concept live here in the U.S., where parents can actually enjoy a cup of coffee mm-hmm. or a, an adult conversation while their kids are off and running, like, enjoying themselves, yeah. right? And so... I always had that idea in the back of my mind and that experience. And once I experienced what, how hard working with child was, I was like, I wonder if I could take that similar concept, but use it in a work model. Mm -hmm. So be able to kind of retrofit it for working parents. Mm -hmm. And so that was the start of the idea of Bumo work. And I started chipping away at it. And for me, when I get started on projects, I get really obsessed, like, kind of unhealthy obsessed with things and so I I was not able to sleep I just kept waking up thinking about it I would sometimes just stay up for hours figuring out how I could get this to happen Mm. and keep in mind that I've been in fashion my whole life so this concept was completely foreign to me I didn't Mm. know where to start and so I just started talking to people about it I knew that I needed to find a partner that understood this industry a bit more. Mm. So I found Joan, who is my co-founder, and I've known her for almost 13 years. We weren't very close, but we've always respected each other. She Mm. has been in education and in children's education for a very long time. Focused more on an older group, but she understood what it took to run a business like that. And so her and I, I would just like bounce ideas off of her. And then she became even more obsessed with the concept than I did. (laughs) And so... I was just like, you just, we got to be co founders. I I can't pull this off on my own. So that's when her and I linked up, and she was my co founder. And then we decided that okay, we're going to go out there and talk to some VCs about it because we need, money Mm -hmm. we have never raised a single dollar before joan's company is fully self-funded she's Mm -hmm. never had to ask for money my company um as a content creator everything is self-funded as well i've never raised money before so we didn't know what we were doing but we got a few introductions so we flew ourselves to uh, san francisco and everyone kindly said no basically (laughs) Mm -hmm. and we came back and we're like okay we we got to perfect this model because obviously there's something here, but people are not really understanding or seeing the big picture. Mm -hmm. And then that's when we started building out our team. So because we didn't have any capital, I asked a few of my friends kind of industry friends and if they could help us or if they were interested in like being a part of our team. So one Mm -hmm. of them being Jessica Alba. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I told Jessica this concept, I was just expecting her to be an advisor for the company um, given like her background with Honest but she was like no I love this concept I'm going to invest in you guys and Mm. so that kind of helped us get started and once people started finding out that Jessica was a part of the business and you know so many people like it just it was like a snowball effect right and then here we are at Westfield they love the concept and they're like okay we don't want any other shopping centers. I don't we don't want you guys to go anywhere else. You guys have to open here. We have the perfect space for you. And in fact, we're going to pay you guys to build out the location. Oh. And so everything just started to happen like when, as we were putting the word out there, it wasn't mm. the way that we thought it was going to happen because we thought we were just going to get funded right away, right, yeah. but it didn't work out that way. Um, so we got Westfield and that was, that wasn't like, okay, like we're doing it. Like this is happening. Oh my goodness! Yeah, And that's crazy. that was 2019. And then of course we all know what happened in 2020. Oh, yeah. So boomer was supposed to open up in spring of 2020 and then the pandemic hit. And then Joan and I were like, okay, what do we do? Do we just, wait around until Mm -hmm. it's gone and so because we were building out curriculum for our location for the kids here at the center um, we already had it right and so we're like why don't we just launch it online to see if anyone would want to use it and so that's when we launched our first live class Mm. um, and announced it as just kind of a I guess a temporary solution for parents that might need the support Mm -hmm. once I announced it it the website crashed. We got over um, there. I think it was in thirty countries. So many families in thirty different countries that signed up overnight. Wow! And we just knew that we were onto something with that. And we're like, yeah. wow, there's obviously a need here. Granted that people were freaking out because they didn't know what to do with their kids mm-hmm. because the school shut down mm-hmm. and all of that. Mm-hmm. That's when we started Boomo Brain and Boomo Brain grew out of the pandemic and we thought it was going to be kind of like a temporary pandemic thing for Mm -hmm. parents but what we realized is that still to this day not that the pandemic is gone we're still in it but a lot of people have kind of gone back to the normal lives of sending their kids back to school and such so we thought people would stop using it after they send their kids back to school but that wasn't the case the reason being is We have so many unique classes that you can't get in a a traditional school, Mm. such as foreign language, Korean, Mm -hmm. Mandarin, um, Mm. Spanish, Japanese, Italian, French, um, for ages two to six years old. Mm. And that's a typically underserved age group, Mm. because a lot of people, they're like, ah, early childhood, I mean, it's like, it's overlooked a lot. And so that was startup boomer brain it still exists it's still growing like crazy and we realized that it's not a pandemic problem that we're solving it was actually an early childhood education problem oh, um, and so, cool. so now we're essentially we don't like calling it two companies because it's still one company but yeah we have boomo brain and boomer work
0: if it was just a temporary solution how did you find the educators and the amount of people to scale to the level where you're supporting all of these different countries that are signing up
2: yeah so that was actually the biggest problem we had was because there was so much growth mm-hmm. and there was so much demand in so many different time zones we're like we don't know how to like accommodate everyone right and so we did the best we could um and we have we actually have teachers in asia boomer brain teachers in asia that are teaching from that time zone and so we just kind of saw where it was most populated and we would try to figure out how we could onboard um, some people that had the proper credentials Mm -hmm. and Go through the training for Primo Brain, and we were able to do that. But we still realized that we couldn't keep up with the demand. Mm-hmm. So one thing that we are launching the next few weeks is our on-demand platform, which is on-demand classrooms. So pretty much, kids can plug in anytime, anywhere. I like to call it kind of like the Peloton of mm-hmm. uh, live classes, live yeah. classes yeah. for yeah, kids, yeah, because. A lot of parents and you're probably gonna experience this yourself we all have YouTube kids you know it's kind of like the default thing that you give to your kids but we all kind of feel guilty about Mm, it right mm. we're like "Uh, we know it's not the best content for you but it's gonna keep (laughs) you busy for an hour so take it right and we've all been there done that and so we like to say that the on-demand platform is guilt-free screen time for a kid so if you as a parent need an hour or 30 minutes to plug in and you just really need your kids to be focused on something, Mm -hmm. then you might as well give them something that's entertaining and highly educational and beneficial to them. And so that's Bumo On Demand which we're launching in the next few weeks. Wow, that is
0: incredible. Just hearing the story of like how you got to Bumo Brain and how you were able to scale so much. And also, the fact that you went into brick and mortar during Mm -hmm. a time where brick and mortar was not surviving, but then you kind of went back to your special of like online content creation, mm-hmm. but in a
2: different, very different industry. Yeah. Education. Yeah. That's incredible. Thank you. And, you know, we thought that the pandemic was going to kill the brick and mortar concept, yeah. but it actually enhanced our narrative because our narrative is always to integrate family and work right we always view family parenting on a separate island than your work and personal and social life mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but we really believe here at bumo that the future of family and the future of work is integration so merging the two islands together the two worlds together and creating a system that will support both mm. and so now A lot of companies are actually reaching out to Boomo, and we're actually opening up in a few corporate campuses because Mm -hmm. one, companies, they are having a very hard time right now trying to get their working parents back to work. Mm. I mean, they're they're having a hard time getting anyone back to work, but especially their parents, right? And because you can work from home now, you can still be at home with your kids and get your shit done, yeah. right? So parents are like, I don't want to commute for three hours back and forth. Right. And yeah. so why would I go back? So companies are now trying to figure out how can how can they support their working parents? So one, their, their people will come back, but also to recruit new talent. Mm-hmm. Because as you guys know, we're all kind of in the same age group. What used to excite us, like, free beer on Fridays (laughs) and unlimited vacation days. That doesn't excite us anymore. Right. Well, once you become a parent, you're just like, okay, that's great. I'll buy my own beer, but what are you going to do about (laughs) my kids? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, And so that's a conversation where we're seeing a lot in companies Mm. and we're very excited because Boomo is in the forefront of sharing with companies a solution for that. Yeah, that is such a perfect integration yeah. of going into these larger corporations and providing that space. So that's
0: a really good like next step for the company yeah. in terms of
2: growth, too. So we have a lot of our—I mean, this is our very first flagship, and we almost call it our showroom. Mm-hmm. But obviously, we have members here that work out of here and use the child care space. but this is the space where a lot of companies come to tour and to mm-hmm. see it. Okay. And they're like, wow, we need this in our, yeah. our campuses. Our yeah. parents will be so happy. And there are studies that show that if you provide... Child care. If you are allowing your parents to be with their kids, their happiness level is a lot higher, which will make them more productive. Mm-hmm. There's actual studies on this. Mm-hmm. I'm probably saying it wrong, but there are statistics. And so I think people are trying to figure out how they Could support working parents because it's also going to help them on their business as yeah, well. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, gone are the days where you just get a tiny room for
0: pumping, and the room is usually with like a nasty old couch. Yeah. And just like, just like
2: the privacy lock. That's it. That was I at my know. old company. That's all that was provided. Mm. Oh, I mean, you're lucky to even have a separate, like, tiny room. I, I feel like yeah. most companies, they're like, okay, go to the, the bathroom. bathroom or something, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. And you're like in the stall with like that. <laughs> the, the, the pumping sound. And I've done that before. It's oh so embarrassing. Goodness. Oh man.
0: <laughs> Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. Well, for those of our listeners who may not be as familiar with how you just got started with your career, can you share when your passion in fashion began? So this is before Boomo mm-hmm. has been blowing up. Um, and just like the moment that you felt like building and sharing with an online community could become a career on its own. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are interested in the creative, but it's like, what is that moment? What yeah. was that moment for you? Because I think you were in accounting before.
2: I was in accounting. Yeah. When did that transition to just like starting the fashion? So I grew up in the Bay Area. Um, like that's where I went to middle school, high school. Um, and my parents were living there for a very long time as well. And once I graduated high school, I just knew that I had to come to L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came to LA without really knowing what I wanted to do. But my mom was like, you know, your cousin is an accountant. He probably will make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. You should probably study accounting. Mm. So I went into accounting. I went to Cal Poly Pomona um, and I soon realized that I hated it. But then in Cal Poly, there's a small area which is not considered fashion, but it's called agriculture development. And agriculture development also talks about textiles and fabrics oh. and, like, yarns yeah. and, like, all these things. And so they— Christelle's face is lighting up right yeah, now. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so they they considered it a fashion class. So I was like, oh, mm. fashion class, I'm going to take that. So I signed up for it. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> um but then I was like, okay, I think I need to study fashion. I mm. love this, but this is, like, the only class that is available on this campus mm. or in this school. So I dropped out of Cal Poly, and then I uh, I took a year off, and then I went to FITM. Okay. And that's when I... I knew I wanted to do something in fashion. I still don't know exactly what it was. And I think that's okay. I think mm-hmm. fashion in general is such a big industry. Like mm-hmm. any industry, right? But you just know that that is your calling. Mm-hmm. So I just went there. I took some classes. And I realized that I loved like w- looking at clothes. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to be a buyer. Like mm-hmm. That is the most obvious thing mm-hmm. as a career. And so I studied um, buying, which has a lot to do with math. And I was good at math as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, this is the perfect career for me. And then I started studying that and I was like, Oh, but I feel like I I need a bit more creativity. And so then I went into visual merchandising because I was like, Oh, well maybe I, I could style the front the front window of Bloomingdale's. Oh, okay. so that seems like a dream job, you yeah. know? Yeah. So I, I studied that for a bit. And then during that time, I was interning. And I'm such a big advocate of internship because that's when I was able to figure out what it is that I want to do mm-hmm. um, because I did a lot of different internships. I did internship for, you know, PR company, stylist, uh, merchandiser like everything and nothing really stuck until I found this internship for a stylist and then I worked for her for a few years and then I just I fell in love with them that's how I got into styling and during mm. that time was when I actually met Michelle Fawn. okay what mm. year is this 2009 so at the time I didn't understand anything about YouTube. I, you know, I I knew that YouTube existed, but it was mainly for to watch like silly comedic videos Mm, of your cats or whatever, right? And then I met Michelle and she was telling me about what she does. She called herself a makeup artist. I was like, oh, cool. Like, what kind of makeup do you do? She's like, oh, I do makeup online. I was like, what? What is that? Yeah. And I just became super fascinated with this world and her and I became good friends and she was like, why don't you I'll help you make your first video. You should do something about fashion. No one really does fashion on YouTube. And I was like, okay, that sounds really weird, but sure. Yeah. And so she helped me film my very first video. Oh and wow. It's still up on my channel. Yeah. Uh, it's really cringy. We're old. I think any old videos are cringy. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um but I keep it on there because it just reminds you of how far you have come, right? Yeah, and so yeah, yeah. and that video kind of blew up overnight, I guess viral. Uh, back Mm. then was like you know 500,000 views right and so I was like what is this this is insane I was I came from the magazine world um I was working for a magazine company and I understood the metrics of viewership like how Mm. many people read the magazine so I was like if there's 500,000 people reading a magazine that's a lot of people and I was like but they're watching my video. And mm. so I I just kind of compared it to a magazine, like mm. the editorial world. And so that that was when I started my YouTube channel. And I haven't... I mean, I guess I stopped three years ago because I honestly kind of got over it. Yeah. Um, but I, I did it for about 11 years. Oh,
0: wow, yeah. yeah. So did you stop any of your internships and just went to pursue the YouTube full-time? After so
2: that? I was still... Uh, so by then I was working for a magazine called Mm Genlux so I was doing a lot of their styling I was one of their editors and until I was able to make my very first paycheck with a video Mm -hmm. that's when I was like okay peace out (laughs) bye Mm. but the paycheck's on YouTuber oh god it was it was funny it was funny (laughs) because I was like so proud to make like a $500 check. Yeah. That was a lot for me back then. Yeah. And it was unheard of, right? A, a brand paid $500 for me to make a video. And I was yeah. like, if one brand paid me $500, I could get 50 brands to pay me $500. Mm. And so that's how I viewed it. I right. See, right. And so I was like, okay, but I need to invest my time into this. Right. And cause I was editing everything. I was shooting everything. I was editing everything. I was styling. I was doing everything. It was a whole production for me. And so I knew that I had to have a full day Mm. just available for me to be able to get that content out. Mm -hmm. And so I quit my job, and I had some money saved up. So I told myself, if things don't work out in the next year, then... I could always just you go back to go styling. Back. Yeah. Yeah. Were your parents okay with you making this decision? No, no they thought I was crazy. <laughs>
0: leaving accounting, going into, what's it, agriculture yeah. textile? <laughs> <laughs> so, dropping out of school. And dropping out of school. Yeah. I'm sure they're very proud of you now, though.
2: <laughs> they are, but I, I had, I mean, they're proud of me now. I love how all parents are like, oh, yeah, we always knew that you were going to make it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, right. Right, mom. Dad. <laughs> when I look back on it, I... I feel like those were the most fun times of my career. Mm. Of course, there are the moments where you're like, oh, I I achieved something or I'm making X amount of money. But I think it was the unknown for me mm-hmm. and the dream that got me just so excited, like not sure if that it would work out. And that's just mm-hmm. how I naturally work. Like with Boomer, it was such a big challenge for me. I didn't know if I could do it. Yeah. And so I get obsessed with things like that. Mm. I was going to say, true entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's in my blood.
1: (laughs) So Christelle, you shared that you grew up or you spent a lot of your childhood in the Bay Area, uh, but you were actually born in Texas, right? And you spent some time in Seoul as well growing up. Um, What was it like growing up in the different types of cultural influences that you did and how has that impacted you as a person today?
2: Yeah, so I was born in Texas because my parents went to school there. Um, They had me when they were in college. And I don't really remember much of it because I was only a year old and then I left Texas and haven't really been back since. Um, But majority of my memories were in the Bay Area. We were in the Bay Area for a few years and then we moved to Korea because my dad got relocated for his job. And so it was really... Confusing, to be honest, because when I was in the Bay Area, I was one of the only Asian kids. Uh, my sister and I were probably three out of, or two out of like the five Asian kids mm-hmm. in our community. And so I always felt like I wanted to be more white mm-hmm. because all my friends were white. All of, you know, the people around me that I looked up to were white. Whereas my sister she had no problem because she i don't know her and I are very different she's just very much like the popular girl at school mm. like everyone loved her for who she is for me I I had to try hard to fit in mm. right and I think it's because I'm also a little bit more introverted and shy mm. and she was always kind of outgoing the party girl and so <laughs> So I never felt truly part of a community Mm. in the Bay Area uh, because I was trying so hard to be something that I wasn't. Mm. So when I moved to Korea, I was really excited because I thought that I would fit in naturally because I'm Korean. I'm Mm -hmm. moving to the motherland, right? Mm -hmm. But I actually had the exact opposite experience. Mm -hmm. I went to a foreign school. Back then, Korean, Korean people really did not like Mm Korean-Americans. And they're very... The kids would make fun of the Korean-Americans that Mm -hmm. went to the foreign schools there. And so I just remember going on the school bus and the Korean school bus, the kids would throw rocks at the Korean-American. I went to SFS, uh, Seoul Foreign School, and they would be like throwing rocks at us. And I I was so confused. I was like, I look just like them, but how come they're... And I was young. I was like, how come they're so mean? Mm -hmm. And so it was... It was one of the worst times of my life. Like, I really just hated being in Korea. Mm. Of course, things are different now. I go to Korea, and I love it there because I'm a lot more, you know, I, I just understand how it works now. Yeah. And I'm able to adapt a lot better. But I was young back then, so I felt very excluded. And then so we moved back to the Bay Area. And again, same same situation. But it was when I finally moved out to L.A., when I felt mm. like I found my people. Mm. Um, because there are lots of Asian Americans and I've never been around Asian Americans before. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, where were you guys when I needed you? Um, but, but I have to say the one group that I was really close in the Bay area was my church, and mm. it was because it was a small Korean church, and a lot of the kids were Korean American. Mm. And my best friend today is was still was my best friend growing up at that church. That's so sweet. Is she is she in LA now? Yeah, she's in LA. We live like 15 minutes from each other. Oh, yeah. That's so awesome that you found your community here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I found my people here, and I, I I'm just so proud to be Korean Asian American. Yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, that leads me to the next question that I do want to ask you. Um, because this is also the Asian Boss Girl podcast. So, you know, as an Asian-American woman, I feel like all of us, we have these shared experiences that we go through, a very unique set of experiences, whether it's because people see us differently from the outside, there's a different set of expectations for us, a lot of unique experiences. And I'm curious, what are some of the most challenging experiences you've faced in in your industry as an Asian-American woman? Mm,
2: That's a good question. I think the most challenging thing in my industry in fashion specifically being Asian American is a lot of brands will look at you as a dollar sign because Mm -hmm. I am I work a lot with luxury brands right Mm -hmm. and so a lot of the luxury clientele are Asians right Mm -hmm. and so there has been instances where brands will say oh Yeah, we we definitely need one Asian in part of this mix. Mm. And, you know, I would hear because they can bring the Asian consumer in. Which I understand. It's it's a business at the end of the day. I run a business. so I get that. But sometimes you're like, well, I'm more than just like my Asian face and my Asian Mm. eyes. Like, do you actually see me for me right Mm. and like the quality of content that I put out the the work ethic that I have right and so although I do respect that they are running a business and they have certain like you know um, quotas that they have to meet and maybe the Asian consumer can drive that type of awareness or uh, sales uh, there are times where I wish that more brands would look at you for oh She's a great, amazing creative versus like, oh, she's Asian so we should hire her, yeah. you know?
0: That sounds... So we just interviewed the Kinjas, uh, mm. Anthony and Mike Zong, and they are amazing dancers. So mm. they're, like, at the top of their game in the dance industry. And they said the same thing, where we asked them a similar question. They said, in America, they, they're they seen as, like, the Asian dance group. But mm. when they're in... Because they have two dance studios in, in Asia. And so when they go back there, they see them as just, like, great dancers. dancers. Yeah. Yeah, and they... they that distinction is like huge for them because they can see they're in both locations all the time and they're just like yeah here they're just like a mask and Mm -hmm. you know more like a more like a puppet for you know what people want to see them as Mm -hmm. which is like asian dancers
2: that yeah i mean that makes a lot of sense and i know a lot of this is ingrained by kind of Society and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of unfolding and unlearning that we have to do, and we're we're all part of the problem too because we we have allowed people to view us a certain way, Mm -hmm. and we just kind of let it you know pass by and be like oh it's fine whatever, but it's really important that you know we see people for their talents Mm -hmm. and their their work and their work ethic, not just because of they look a certain way or their skin color or whatnot. So I'm hoping that the fashion industry will get to that. Yeah. Um, But as far as opportunity for Asians in fashion, I I feel like there's abundant amount of opportunity Hmm. when it comes to fashion with Asian because of that reason. And Mm. I am very thankful for that. Mm. But sometimes you do wish that they could see you you beyond that. Yeah. Do you feel like because of everything that's been happening
0: this past year, there's been more opportunities for you just with like a lot more attention I feel like on just Asian people and like a lot of bigger companies putting their dollars behind Mm -hmm. Asian creatives and supporting Asian companies.
2: Yeah. I think there's a lot more awareness and I've definitely been able to uh, work with some brands that I haven't ever been able to work with during this past year because I know that they, they have to right? they have to bring more awareness and diversity to their campaigns and so i am happy that there is this opportunity and brands are trying to change and trying to make more opportunity for people of color but i also feel like it's beyond just the campaigns it's Mm -hmm. really an internal culture that you have to create for your company that's going to actually have a long-lasting effect of change and because it's easy to just hire an asian model and say, hey, we're right. we're not Check racist. Yeah. You know, we, we have one face Asian up model, here. Yeah. right? Yeah. Um, like that's great, that's a start, but what are you doing internally for your company mm-hmm. that's actually gonna change that narrative? And so we could see long term change. So Yeah. yeah. It's interesting to see who who's gonna come out of this making those actual
0: changes. I agree. I think the intention right now it seems like is maybe not really there. Like it's almost like a check the box and just make sure that you are supporting minorities and people of color. And the next step is well. In my eyes, what I see is that there's going to be so much more of an influx of just Asian faces and normalizing the fact that we need to be in these spaces and we deserve to be in these yeah. in these spaces, and then people are going to be like, okay, let's actually figure out how can we, you know, bring up the equality of people of color and and like integrate them into the system rather than like having the system that is, yeah. is built against them.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's a start, but we still have a long ways to go. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. But it's yeah. also
1: you know creating companies like yours where it's going to be staffed and and led by Asian mm-hmm. women and mm-hmm. I think it's like when you are when you become the person in power then you can start setting that cultural difference right yeah
2: because Joan and I we have been fundraising and the s- statistics are pretty crazy of the percentage that women founders get funded yet yeah. alone women that are people of color oh, yeah. women of color founders that get funded Mm -hmm. and so there's just a lot of work to be done you know people need to put their money where they're saying they're actually going to make change so when you put money in women businesses people of color that's where real change can happen hopefully we'll see the change soon yeah yeah
1: Asian Boss Girl is supported by First Republic Bank. Now more than ever, First Republic's priority is serving their clients and communities. Their personalized banking solutions go deeper than a transaction. For over 30 years, First Republic has striven to leave a positive impact on the communities they serve. From presenting grants to nonprofits in need, to going the extra mile to connect individuals experiencing hardship with fair loans, the bank is focused on doing the right thing. Your dedicated First Republic banker will be there to guide you every step of the way. Visit firstrepublic.com today to learn more. That's firstrepublic.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Well, Chriselle, your career as we've reviewed is vast and you've done everything from fashion now into tech and starting you know, a business around education and for working parents. What would you say has been the highlight of your career so far? Because mm-hmm. then you know that you have so much more to go <laughs> and so much more to do. But with all of
2: that, which you know, what is like the highlight so far? Okay, I'll, I'll give you guys two highlights. Mm-hmm. One is more external, and one is more internal. Mm-hmm. So the external one is when Mattel made a Barbie out of me. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that. that was definitely yeah, 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 yeah. a pivotal moment for my career because I grew up with Barbie. I played with Barbie. I collected Barbies. My girls play with Barbies, and I always wondered why there weren't any Asian Barbies. Mm-hmm. And so being a part of that change in narrative, it meant so much to me and also for the future generation and mm-hmm. my girls as well. Yeah. Um, so that being one of the biggest external, I guess, um, accolades mm-hmm. of mine. But I think internally is... Really, the confidence that I've been able to build throughout the year of my career and where I'm at now, I can now walk into a room of very successful men and not give a shit Mm -hmm. and just tell them Mm. what I'm building. Mm -hmm. And if they don't like it, so be it, whatever. And that's really freeing to me because Mm -hmm. before, I cared so much about what other people thought of Mm. me and I couldn't handle rejection. Mm and looking back at Chriselle when I started off I just wanted to make sure everyone was happy and that everyone liked me Mm -hmm. but getting to where I'm at now and just having this like no f attitude yeah mm -hmm. it's really liberating yeah and it just allows me to be my authentic self and just do what I love and not really care about other people and the outcome and all of that
0: yeah oh, I love that so much mm-hmm. I feel like for a lot of our listeners they write into us about the same thing you know it's like how do you build that confidence even even they ask us and we're like I don't know if we're there yet you know mm-hmm. but I think a lot of people struggle with that and yeah. it, it comes through in your work too that you are just like confident you're like I don't give a shit what you think this is just what I do like yeah. I'm just gonna show it to you you like it or not you know yeah. and I, I love that,
2: that and I energy. think confidence is is built over time. Oh, for Mm -hmm. sure, yeah. Like, it's not one moment that you experience and you're like, oh, I'm confident now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's almost like working out where you have to build it over time and you will get stronger and stronger and stronger and Mm -hmm. you're gonna go through some rejection, you're gonna go through some periods where you're not sure about certain things but it's all of those things combined together that allows you to eventually get to, you know, a place where you just are so strong Mm -hmm. and that you don't really care anymore. <laughs> mm. Mm. What do you think has helped you like build that confidence? I think it's always just leaning into my fear. Mm. So if there's something that I want to do, but I feel really nervous and scared about doing something, I might be wrong, but from what I remember, I've never not done something within my career because I was scared of it. Mm. Because I always use that as a reason for me to do it. Mm. Oh, that's a good... Mm -hmm. So using fear as a compass to to help figure out what is the thing that you should go into. I always use fear as my compass. Mm. And it allowed me to grow in ways that I couldn't have imagined. Because if I kept following and chasing things that I like to do and things that made me feel comfortable... Mm -hmm. Honestly, I probably wouldn't have had the career that I've mm. had today. Yeah. So if I want to do something and it's scary and I don't know what to do, then... I'll just figure it out and do it, Oof. you know? Well, with that, though, have there
0: been times where you've, like, fallen on your face and you're just mm. like, oh my gosh, maybe I shouldn't have leaned into the fear, but you just still did it anyway. Yeah,
2: and I think it's a little bit of how I'm pilt. Um, I'm an Aries, so I'm very stubborn. Mm-hmm. But I have fallen many times on my face, but I, I never, ever have once been like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. I'm very quick to be like, okay... Let's Get go, let's up. move on, like, that hurt, ouch, yeah. let's yeah. move on. Yeah, yeah. And that's always been my attitude within everything, personally, professionally, and sometimes it could kind of come off cold, I think,
1: mm-hmm.
2: but it's it's kind of my mechanism to be able to, Um, take all the pressure Mm -hmm, and the pain mm. Mm. and it allows me to not dwell into these moments of like failure if you would call it a failure but I think you're always moving forward even when you fall on your face yeah I mean there's been a lot of moments I mean fundraising being one of them like Joan and I we went out there we went out to San Francisco New York a number of times and we've got rejected so many times Mm. but we just kept going Mm -hmm. um and I think that's another big thing and you guys obviously have figured this out but it's having a partner mm-hmm. um because the partner when you're feeling down and naturally you're going to feel down on some days they could kind of pick up your yeah, pick side. up the weight and like pull you forward a little mm-hmm. bit and then vice versa right yeah, for sure we feel that definitely yeah, yeah within our team yeah, yeah. I'm
0: so thankful to like working with two of my best friends and Likewise for you. Same. yeah. <laughs> awesome. It's like the best that's thing ever. That's really, really awesome. Yeah. And
2: I, I don't know how solo founders do it. Yeah. I props yeah. to them right. because that has to be so hard. Right. And I can't imagine myself being a solo founder. Um, and that's part of my secret is like whatever companies that I start, I mm. always have a partner. Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I think about that
0: too. Like find someone who balances you out in even like your weakness or areas where you're not the strongest in.
2: Yeah. Cause you taking that on yourself,
0: it's, it's really tough or you just rely on your partner to take on the burdens at home. Like I, I think about that all the time too. Knowing like, Oh yeah. Thinking about, like,
2: yeah. My husband yeah. And stuff, but yeah. I mean, for me personally, I know what I'm great at and I also know what I'm, Not so great at. And what I'm great at is the ideation. I'm very creative and I love big picture thinking. Mm. I could go on for days and days and spit out like millions of amazing big picture ideas. But when it comes to actually doing it and figuring out the logistics and operationally how we're gonna pull it off. That's where I fall. Mm -hmm. Um, And so all of my partners are very strong operators. Mm -hmm. And that's very intentional for me. Because I know that I will never see the light of a project if I don't have someone running the operations. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good tip for anyone out there who wants to start their own business as well. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So Christelle, for all the mommy entrepreneurs and self-made women out there, what is the biggest lesson you have learned when it comes to being a working mom? I know you've shared so much already, but if you had to pick out like your top one to three that, you know, mm. sharing with our audience of, um, I'm sure a lot of other mommies out there, working moms and mom entrepreneurs, what's something you could advise them on?
2: Besides coming to Boomer Work, <laughs> <laughs> um, is that you can still have a life after kids. And I know that's really hard to believe, especially as a new mom, Mm -hmm. but you have to learn how to prioritize yourself. And I know it sounds very selfish. And I actually got this advice when I was a new mom and I was kind of offended by it Mm -hmm. because I was like, what are you talking about? I literally can't even like find an hour to sleep. How am I supposed to prioritize myself at this point? So once you get out of kind of the thick of it, right, Mm -hmm. of like the newborn phase of the first, I would say about eight months, right? Um, you have to intentionally prioritize yourself. And I'm speaking to you because it's so (laughs) easy to to fall off that. And once you fall off that, everything falls apart. Your relationship Mm. falls apart. Your friendship falls apart. Your social life falls apart. Our culture has normalized it to make it seem like it's okay. Yeah. That, oh, okay, like you're exhausted oh that's part of it you right, know right. you don't have a social life oh that's part of it yeah. like you haven't talked to your friends in like a year oh it's okay you're a mom yeah mm-hmm. and i i really hate that
0: Ugh, yeah. i'm really, fair, really feeling that. on that yeah.
2: yeah yeah and so it takes a lot of work because it's easy to be like i'm too busy but you have to put in your schedule that okay Every third of every month, I'm going to go out and have drinks with my girlfriends. Yeah. I know it's hard. We can make a million excuses, but you have to do it. Mm. Because if you don't do it now, you won't do it later because you're only going to mm. get busier and yeah. you have to make it into a habit. It, it's almost yeah. like working out, right? Working out. Every, no one has time for working out. Yeah. But the people that make time for it will always have time for it. Mm. You know, That is a great tip for any new moms out there. And I'm
0: like, I'm, I'm looking at Crystal. I'm like, yes, I'm taking all of this in because I can yeah. totally see myself just being super involved and just like this is this is my life now and this yeah. is my world and everything else is like second in priority. I mean
2: I was like that too. Yeah. I was like that with Chloe. I did not see my friends. Yeah. I did not have a social life. I, I didn't do anything. And I didn't realize how deep of a hole I dig myself mm-hmm. in until I came out of that depression. I was really, mm-hmm. really depressed. Mm-hmm. I didn't even realize I was depressed. Yeah. So you gotta take care of yourself. All the mamas gotta take care of themselves. Yeah. And do something for yourself at least once a month yeah. and find out what that thing is right for me right now in this time of my life girlfriends are a really really important part of my life yeah. and so at least two times a month for me i see my girlfriends and they're all moms they're all busy busy moms mm-hmm. but the amount of do you guys have you guys interviewed suchin Park?
0: no you no. guys
2: need to she is she has her own podcast, too, and she's hilarious. Oh, but she's one of my to. best yeah. friends, so yeah. I can make that introduction for you guys. Yeah, But, awesome. like, I have to see Su Chin at least, like, twice a month because she helps me keep going. And mm. she is, like, the therapy for me, right? Yeah. That allows me the fuel that I need to, to keep going. Um, and if I don't see her or my other girlfriends, then... I just feel exhausted, right? Yeah. And so you just have to know what that is, whether it's mm. seeing your girlfriends, whether it's, I don't know, um, going on a hike, whatever whatever makes you super happy and inspired, do that at least once a month.
1: Mm. That's a good tangible tip for any new mamas out there. Maybe just put an event on your calendar right now mm-hmm. for once a month reoccurring yes. to do something for yourself. Absolutely. For any of our listeners out there
0: who are in relationships or hope to be, When it comes to managing a partnership,
2: what do you think is the biggest lesson that you've learned? I think the biggest lesson I've learned is that you have to find your own happiness. You cannot rely on someone else to make you happy and the other person cannot rely on you to make themselves happy. Mm -hmm. How I view relationship is that two separate beings, individuals have to work on themselves And once they're happy with themselves and they come together, they could make each other even happier. Mm. But if two people are not working on themselves and they're just kind of whatever with their own being. No matter how much work you put into something, you will never truly be happy. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so it always comes from a place where don't abandon yourself. Like Mm. you always have to work on yourself, even for the guys too, right? For guys, it's also easy for them to be wrapped up with their work Mm -hmm. and you know, their kids, and then forget to do the things that they love to do. Mm -hmm. And once you feel fulfilled and you work on yourself, then you guys can come together and be truly, like, present with one another because you love yourself and you love one another, right? That's great advice. Yeah. And then also another one is we all – you cannot expect someone to fill all of your buckets. Mm -hmm. So there's – and I forgot who told me this, but there's many different buckets that we want to – Fill up which is like emotionally um you know spiritually um like I don't whatever there is right but then if your partner can fill up like three out of those five buckets mm. and they can't fill up the others that's fine yeah. yeah and like you cannot keep looking at someone else and being like he's not making me happy in these this area mm. but ask yourself well these other areas is he filling those buckets up mm, mm-hmm. if he is then go find that go find it yourself like if you want to be fulfilled in that specific bucket that he's not fulfilling for you then go find it yourself right mm, mm-hmm. and so I think when you're young you expect your your partner to do everything for right, you right? right and that's kind of fairy tales. like yeah, this man yeah. is gonna come and swoop <laughs> me off my feet and yeah. I'm gonna live happily ever after But no, there's gonna be times where you're just like he's really not fulfilling me in this area, yeah, and you, and sometimes. That's okay.
0: Yeah. yeah. Ooh, that's a great tip for anyone out there who's dating and has a checklist. Yeah. Maybe you don't need I'm a, a big full checklist. Check yeah? yeah? Well, yeah. 80% then of that checklist. Just 80%. Make sure. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> make sure that's filled. Well, you are clearly an Asian a boss girl. Like I was saying before, I think there's only a handful of people that I truly respect because they can really, you know, find that balance of like a power and a presence, but because it's equally mixed with the passion that they have for what they're doing and you've you've achieved that which is incredible and still so young too. Girl. Am I young? Yes. <laughs> I yes. Mean, you're well, you're our age you're our age, so I'm so just calling young. I guess
2: <laughs> I mean we're not young, young, but we're not old either. So exactly. we're like we're yes. like in the sweet spot. Right we're now. like
0: act two now. <laughs> act two, that's where we are. But I'm curious, you know, because you've already built such a so many strong and successful brands for yourself. Like what is next for you? What is next for Chriselle Lim? Do you have any more interest in building out more businesses, diving deeper into the fashion space, or focus more on Boomo?
2: I am good right now. Like Mm. I I feel like, like, I don't know, maybe I'll have another business later on. Nothing's kind of in the works right now, Mm. but I just really want to focus on what I have in front of me and focus on, you know, just being an awesome mom to my kids and you know, when you do make that commitment of like, okay, I'm going to be really present. Yeah, like something's got to give, right? Like you're not going to be able to go 10,000 miles per hour like you used to when you didn't have kids. Mm -hmm. And for me, I'm okay with that. Like I might not be able to run as fast as I used to, but I've come to a place where I just want to be present and enjoy my moments with them. And so, yeah, I'm just focusing on building out Bumo, um, opening up in other areas so we can help more working parents, mm. and just being an awesome mom. I know yeah. that was kind of a boring answer. No, but that's, that's like an amazing, I mean, hello, you're building out Bumo to yeah. multiple locations <laughs> and starting this
0: new initiative at different corporations. So that in itself, it's like full-time career plus, okay? Oh, thank
2: you guys. Yeah. yeah, I, you know, for me, it's, I would have given you a different answer five years ago because mm. I've always been like, What's next? What's yeah. next? But what I realize is that when you keep looking in the future, you can't mm-hmm. really appreciate where you're at right mm-hmm. now. Yes. And so I kind of stopped thinking that way of like, what am I going to build next? Where am I going next? And I just sit here and I'm like, this is freaking awesome. I did this. Like, I'm just going to enjoy it while I can right now because the next thing will come, you know? Yes. Yeah. And when you're truly present, opportunities just pop up left and right without you having to seek them.
1: Yeah. So that is the wisdom coming yeah. from someone who's not super young and not super old, <laughs> just in the sweet spot. <laughs> We're going to wrap this up, Chriselle with a fire round of questions, if you don't mind. So the first question is, what is your holy
2: grail beauty product at the moment? Ooh, my Claripope Botase Serum. I've been using it for about five years. Mm, Ooh,
0: five years. Later. Okay. I'm not the, oh, this is not part of our list, but question. Did you break out a lot when you were pregnant? Mm.
2: I, I got hormonal acne. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And what did you use for that? friend <laughs> asking, asking, asking for a friend, for yeah. a friend you know?
2: <laughs> oh, you're, you're dealing with hormonal acne? Yeah. I mean, I can't tell from here. It's, but, a, it's down here. I mean, there's concealer on my face. But yeah. Honestly, I i'm gonna tell you an answer you're not gonna like is nothing nothing yeah Mm -hmm. because one you have to be careful about these very strong products that will actually help with the inflammation and all that um but two it's hormonal so it will go away on its own and you don't want to irritate it or dry it out even more yeah yeah okay Good answer. I think I knew that answer, but I've been trying out
0: all these different products, but I knew that answer. I mean, water
2: too. Water helps a lot. And I know that you get really dehydrated when you're pregnant. Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
0: Neon green pea. Yes. Not anymore, (laughs)
2: but yes. Uh, Three must-haves in starting a business. Three must-haves. Well, I guess it depends on what type of business, but I would say just in general. I think this is more like intangibles. Mm. Oh, intangible. So not like actual products. Yeah. Okay. Three must-haves is big picture thinking. Mm. So where you envision yourself, where you want to go, that being one. Number two is grit, Mm -hmm. which is what's going to keep you on course. Mm. And even on hard days, you will still keep going. And three is the ability to let it go. Mm -hmm. because once you let it go then you're able to go back to being focused on what to do next versus like living in la-la land and being like I'm gonna build this huge company right Mm -hmm. because that's big picture you got to have that but if you have big picture and you don't have um, the actual ability to move forward with what's in front of you then you're not gonna have a business Mm -hmm. so those are my three three tips great tips it was awesome what is one word you would use to describe yourself (laughs) how i describe myself or how my kids describe me so i would describe myself as a creative kind of serious Mm -hmm. and very very stubborn how my kids describe me is very serious, because <laughs> <laughs> they all—they're always like, "Daddy is so funny," and you're very serious. And I'm like, "Yeah, well, I'm not Daddy, and Daddy's not like me." So, uh, so yeah, my oldest would call me very serious, organized. Oh, she's been using the word trendy a lot. I don't know where she learned oh. that from. I don't think I'm trendy. I think I'm really behind trends, but she thinks I'm trendy, so that's all that matters. Does she? Does she? Does she understand or know what you do online? Like a your, little bit. Yeah. yeah, I think because she understands that social media does exist because i am always taking photos and mm-hmm. i'm posting them and sometimes she appears in them and i show them to her mm. so i think she understands that mommy takes photos but i don't think she understands people actually are looking at it right. okay engaging right? with it yeah. yeah 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 although i have to say she does go to a school where it goes all the way up to middle school yeah mm. and a lot of the middle schoolers, um, they do recognize her from my TikTok. Oh. And because, you know, TikToks, I mean, I get surprised how young these kids are on TikTok. Yeah. But they do start really young. And oh. so, Chloe has been asking more about TikTok. Like, mm. so, are you posting that on TikTok? And I'm like, what do you know about TikTok? Yeah. And she's like, I don't know, like, it's music and dance so it's interesting to see her perspective on it yeah Mm. Yeah. does she so uh, she doesn't have a phone right now no are you like limiting that until a certain age i mean i might be speaking too fast because i know it's going to be harder when i actually have to deal with it Mm -hmm. but i don't want to give her a phone until she's a teenager (laughs) like but i know i have friends and i also know people neighbors that like they're eight-year-old's nine-year-olds it's become normal for that age group to have phones oh yeah for me I'm trying not to be judgmental because I understand that every family has different needs Mm -hmm. and different rules but I'm like I don't understand what they why they need a phone at this age like my daughter does not need a phone at nine right because you're picking her up it's not like she needs she's not going out to the mall by herself she's she's always with either me or daddy yeah right and so I'm like, what, why do they need the phone? Mm. But again, come back to me three years later, it might be a different situation. <laughs> she might have her, her own phone, her own. Th- no, I won't let her on social. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wait, okay. Is there a part of it's you it. that wants her to follow your footsteps? Um, no. I don't want her to follow my footsteps. But if she wants to do what I do, I would help. I would be happy to guide her mm. because I don't want her to do something because mommy is just doing it. I want her to do something because she really loves it, Mm -hmm. right? And she's not going to know what she loves until she tries out different things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And for me, I think it's really important for her to figure out what her passions are. Um, Right now, it's horseback riding. She Mm. loves horseback riding. Her whole thing right now is going to the Olympics and um, competing. so That's awesome. If that's what she wants to do, that's what she wants to do. But if she wants to make Instagram or TikTok content, then I'll guide her, right? But at a reasonable age. Okay. What is one word to describe each of your daughters? Ah, okay. Chloe is very hyper aware. Um, She is able to really distinguish emotions and really Mm. understand how people are feeling, which I think is such a gift. Um, She is also very particular. So she maps out her outfits the night before she knows what she's going to wear for the entire week. So, I guess yeah. a little bit organized in that sense. In mm, a planner. Wow, if, her yeah. sister, if you go to her desk, because she has her own little desk now, um, she has, like, all of her pencils lined up, all of her notebooks. And if her sister comes and, like, moves the pencil, <laughs> she freaks out. Mm-hmm. So, I guess she's organized, too. Uh, my youngest daughter, Colette, is... She's just silly. She's very outgoing. She's very flexible. Mm. Chloe's not flexible. Huh. Yeah.
0: But was she like Colette when she was two? No. She was
2: never flexible and quick to adapt. It took her time. Mm. Um, Which is fine, too. But Colette, you could literally drop her off at someone's house, and she'll... Be best friends with everyone. Oh, yeah, all the kids. Whereas yeah. Chloe is like, I don't know, Stranger Danger. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, such different personalities. Yeah. yeah.
1: Next question: The song you can't get out of your head right now. Oh, Billie
2: Eilish, mm. "Happier Than Ever." I love mm. that song so much. Mm. It's my jam. Your go-to piece of clothing in your closet that you can't live without. Um, there's a few, but I would say. My high-rise mom jeans, I think they're from H&M, actually. They're just, like, the perfect high-rise. I can wear my crop tops without feeling like I'm showing too much skin. Mm. I wear those jeans probably three days out of, like, the five-day work week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's my go-to. I also have a lot of ribbed ribbed tanks. Mm. So kind of like, actually, no, it's like your dress, but in a tank form. Mm. So if you go to my closet, my closet's actually quite boring because it's a lot of just classics and Basics. I have a lot of rib tanks, but in like every color. But you can piece it together in so Yeah. so different So my ways. uniform is usually a rib tank and a high waist denim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think low risers are coming back? They are, and I hate it so <laughs> much. Do you really? Do you think so? Have you seen it? Yes. All the Gen Z kids are wearing it. Are on you today. serious? I like, I want to die because I know <laughs> it looks great on them, but... <laughs> After giving birth to two kids, and like it just feels a little inappropriate. Yeah, to me. <laughs> no, we just recorded yeah. an
0: episode about like uh, 90s, '90s trends because we were kids growing up in the '90s, and but that was one of them. We're like low risers, and then also like like people used to show off their like they, like they called mm-hmm. the whale tail.
2: They show off their thong while wearing lower Oh, my items? God, yes. <laughs> that <made me> <laughs> so much. I mean, I get it. It's a look. It's like Little Kim, right? The yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she did that a lot in her music
0: videos. I'm like, please don't have that comeback. I really hope not. Oh, and then
2: on the beach, when you go to the beach now, all the girls are wearing thong bikinis. Oh, And, I mean, it's fine. They look great, and I they have the conference to do it. Yeah. I, I just can't do it. Yeah. Maybe I'm just yeah. hating because I can't yeah. do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: All right, last question.
2: Dream collaboration or someone you'd like to work with? Mm, dream collaboration. I mean, I had the biggest crush on Victoria Beckham growing up, her Spice Girl days. Yeah. I still love her so much. I mean, we're not friends, but I've been invited to her shows a few times, so we've oh. seen each other but I can't say that we've collaborated yeah. or like, you know, so that would be really cool because it's like my childhood dreams like yeah. coming together. So I will say Victoria Beckham is still kind of my crush, my girl crush. And I don't know. I'm really bad at this. No, I mean, no, that's a, is, great. Yeah, that yeah. that's a awesome. good answer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes, yes, Spice, like, girls. Yeah. Yeah, Spice, Spice Girls. Yeah, yeah, Spice Girls. Uh, but a big one for Bumo that I would love is, it's more on the philanthropic side, mm is Malala for Bumo oh, because yeah. she's all about funding education girls' education yeah, yeah. and it's something that we stand for here at Bumo for both Bumo Work and Bumo Brain mm. so being able to somehow collaborate with her on Bumo would be so incredible yeah. and just the mission there um, I feel like it's It aligns. I'm just putting that out to the world. Oh my gosh! Yes, manifest it. That's like the
0: perfect like collaboration that I can see
2: happening for your team too. Yeah,
0: Yeah, would love that. Yeah. Well, okay. How can our ABG community support you in your upcoming projects and everything that you're doing? How can we?
2: We have a large audience out there. How can they support you? If you're a mom, I would say check out. Boomo Work at Boomo Work or at Boomo Brain. If you're in the LA area, you definitely have to come to Century City to visit us. Yes, yes. And if you want to just follow me, I mean, I'm kind of boring, but. I'm at Chriselle Lim on both Instagram and TikTok. Not boring so. at, all. Yeah, not at all. So entertaining. Yeah. And like, you fill up my like day. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm just like, watching <laughs> your stories. I'm like, when I'm bored, I'm just like, what's Chriselle up to? <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh my gosh. I, yeah, I just, I like stories a lot because I feel like I could just in the moment just yes. share what, mm-hmm. what be, I'm doing and with be that. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And just be myself. So. Yeah. Love it.
1: Well, yeah. thank you so much for joining us, Chriselle. This was amazing. It was great to sit down with you and check out Buma work. Mm-hmm. Um, we are so excited to see everything that is going to be coming up for you in this coming
2: year and more. Well, thank you guys so much for coming. I'm so excited to see. I mean, I'm excited to see you guys grow already, but like mm-hmm. continued success and can't wait to see what's in store for you guys. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Likewise.
0: And to close out this wonderful episode, we have a few shout-outs, lots of school and transition ones. From Julia to Mello in Irvine, wishing you the best in your next chapter of your life at UC Berkeley. Congrats, by the way. Julia is very grateful to have had you as her roommate for the past four years. From Melissa to Priyanka in New Jersey, good luck at Harvard and thanks for being an amazing best friend these past few years. From Yaritza to Jessica in Palo Alto, congrats on closing your first fundraise. As the fearless CEO of Lingo Health, Yaritza is so proud to be your co-founder and excited for you all to improve healthcare for immigrant families. I love that. And lastly, from Caroline to Betty in California, congrats on your engagement. We are so excited for what's
1: ahead for you. If you'd like to send a shout out to a friend, check out our link tree and our link in bio on our Instagram and click on shout outs. And last but not least, thank you to our super talented editor, Michelle, for working all of her magic on our episodes, including this one.
0: And we will catch you all on the next episode.
1: Bye.